Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific need. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today. Victor Antonio, welcome to the program. Selling is all about, really, it's, we're not selling a product, you're not selling a service, you're not selling value, you're not selling whatever you think you're selling, a solution. You're selling change. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. This is why we talk about being the trusted advisor. You should be able to help use that expert guidance and all the opinions that I'm sure that you have and help lead them towards not just a decision, but the right decision. Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Show. The great Jacob Hornberger here on The Brian Nichols Show. You're doing fine. I don't know about that adjective, though. <laughs> the, the great? Oh, come on. Now, I've been listening to a lot of Dave Smith, and he's gotten in trouble with, with calling people the great something. But I think calling you the great Jacob Hornberger, you know, I, I think that's a good starting off point. Well, that's very nice. Uh, I hate to start debating with you and challenging your accuracy right off the bat. But hey, come on. If, we'll... if, if you didn't, then would we really all be libertarians here? Come on. <laughs> we'll start. You know, how about that? That's that's a starting off point, right? So this is, my show is obviously much more, you know, libertarian politics. But I talk to conservatives, libertarians, moderates, uh, you know, some socially democratic or, you know, they, they identify as democratic socialists. So let's start off, Jacob. Kind of introduce yourself to my audience who are outside of the libertarian, you know, uh, echo chambers that we find ourselves in on a day-to-day -day basis. Who are you, and really, what's your your political story? Well, I'm a libertarian, and I'm a 2020 candidate for the Libertarian Party presidential nomination. Uh, my regular job is president of the Future of Freedom Foundation, which is a nonprofit educational foundation that advances libertarianism. And I should emphasize that they're not endorsing my campaign. But people can get a sense of the work I've done for Liberty for 30 years at FFF by going to FFF.org. And I've been doing that for, for 30 years. Before that, I worked at the Foundation for Economic Education, or FEE as it's known, in New York as program director. And before that, I practiced law in Texas for 12 years. And uh, so that's what I've been doing for, for these past years of my life. So... Obviously, we all come to the liberty movement in our own unique way. And I, I know I myself came more from the uh, the Ronald Reagan right, you know, growing up in a GOP household. And I've had guests on my show ranging from, you know, Max Gulker from AIER to others who came from more of the left. So I, I think it's really good for people to kind of hear 
others uh, journey to libertarianism just or journey towards just liberty in general, because I think they can identify themselves in it, uh, you know, when they hear that story. So, so Mr. Hornberger, what was kind of your story um, to, to, you know, go from where you started off and wherever that may be to actually finding your way to be a libertarian? Well, I grew up in South Texas on a farm on the Rio Grande, and my dad was actively involved in politics in Laredo, my hometown. And he was a Democrat, and just about everybody was a Democrat back then. You were either a liberal Democrat or a, or a conservative Democrat. And so when I was in the fifth grade, I mean, I was campaigning for John Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson. And my dad took me to a barbecue at the Lyndon Johnson Ranch where I met Johnson himself and shook hands with him. And then when I got back to practice law in partnership with my dad, he was a lawyer too. I was still a Democrat. I was a liberal and uh, but I was I was walking around the local detention center one day where they where they incarcerated illegal immigrants. And I was representing some because I had asked the federal judge to appoint me to represent them for free because I felt it was just so horrible what the government was doing to people who just wanted to work. And it just hit me. I mean, it dawned on me that, you know, how liberals profess to love the poor, needy and disadvantaged. And that's how they justify the welfare state way of life. And it hit me. I said, well, if liberals really love the poor, needy, and disadvantaged, why are they doing this to these people that all they want to do is just work? And so I asked a couple of my liberal friends and they said, oh, well, it's the law. Well, that wasn't good enough for me because, you know, slavery was a law, too. So soon after that, I discovered libertarianism. I walked into the public library in Laredo, of all places, looking for something to read in the political science section. And my eyes got drawn to a, a four Color, four little colored, different colored books in a series that had been published 20 years before by the Foundation for Economic Education. And I started thumbing through these books and they were just hardcore, pure, uncompromising essays on liberty and libertarianism. And it just bowled me over. It was truly a road to Damascus experience. Um, the scales started dropping from my eyes. And I realized that all this stuff about loving the poor, needy, and disadvantaged was just a bunch of hokum by Democrats and liberals. And uh, so that that began the journey into libertarianism. And ultimately, I was offered a choice by Fee, the, the organization that really changed the course of my life, to go up and work for him and give up the law practice. And I decided to do that. It's funny because, you know, I, I, I think – Pretty much the, the, there's a moment in all of our transition between, you know, where we were to where we, we eventually became libertarians where, you know, we had that aha moment. And to kind of hear your aha moment was very much like, you know, I, I'd say many of my generation being that of, you know, Ron Paul. And, and it's, it's very cool to see that, you know, that, that's still that almost, it's, it's like a magical moment where you're like, it all makes sense. And you, you kind of like pull the veil off your eyes and you're like, okay, this is, this is what's really happening. And to see, you know, even though you're coming from the left, that, that still happens for you. And a lot of it, I think, and I think I'm saying this from the right as well, is that we look at what is presented as the establishment truth. And, you know, this is, you know, not to be questioned. It's, it's almost, you know, it's, it's, it kind of like we've ingrained this like royal sense to it where we, we look at the, the government in general as this, um, or as Michael Malice calls it, the, uh, the, the cathedral. And we, we're not allowed to criticize it. But once you see past what's been promoted as the truth, especially when you can get past, you know, the, 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 the media and the marketing, it becomes so hideous and it really shows you the, the inefficiencies, number one, in government, but also how a lot of the stuff that they're promoting as, you know, trying to help other people, be it from the left or the right, that in, in 
essence, a lot of the programs that they're putting in place are purposefully wasteful because they're just looking to create more and more bureaucracy, which is going to be allowing them to create more positions for you know political favors to get dole out during election season or what have you. So let take that you know in kind of uh, segue segue this into your campaign. So obviously you're running for president, or you're look, looking to be the nominee <laughs> to be the president of the United States uh, as a libertarian. So kind of outline what would a Jacob Hornberger presidency look like that would differ between that of, you know, what we'd see in a Donald Trump presidency or someone from the left, um, you know, as a Democrat? Well, the, the reason I entered this race is, is very simple. I want to be free. And that's one of the things that distinguish us libertarians from non-libertarians. Uh, it's it's what, you, what you were just saying that you know, we, we have this certain mindset that's ingrained in us. I, I really think it's indoctrination that when you go into these public schools or really government schools or government approved schools, there's just this this hardcore indoctrination that you live in a free country, that this is a free enterprise system. And by the time you get to be 18 years old, I mean, you don't have any doubts of this. And, and you know, you, you, you thank the troops for your freedom and, and you, you just go through life living what I call a life of the lie. Because when I discovered libertarianism, I realized that's just not true. It's a lie. They lied to me that entire time. And that's that's that aha moment you're talking about that that libertarians realize. There's It's, it's like a, a psychological and mental and intellectual breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to be free before I pass on from this earth. And I've been fighting for freedom at FFF for 30 years. And I finally decided, you know, I'm going to I'm going to take these people on if, if I can win this nomination in a more direct way, not in a personal way like, you know, like the Democrats do that Donald Trump's a bad person. He should be replaced and we're good people. Uh, what we're really looking at is not whether somebody's a bad person or a good person or trying to get better people in public office. What we're really trying to do is a, a new direction for America, a new system, a new paradigm that leads America toward freedom, toward a, a, a genuinely free society which is a society that will bring peace, prosperity, normality, and harmony with the people of the world. So let me give you some examples of that. Um, a, a, one of the positions I take is bring all the troops home from everywhere, not just from the wars in go. Afghanistan, Iraq, everywhere, Korea, Vietnam. Well, they're not there, unfortunately, anymore in Vietnam. Uh, Europe, Africa, Latin America, and discharge them. They're not necessary. In other words, end this entire foreign policy of foreign interventionism, the coups, the invasions, the occupations. There's no nation state that is invading the United States. They're not threatening to invade the United States. Nobody has the money or even armaments or weaponry or transport ships and planes and millions of troops where they could successfully cross the oceans to invade the United States. We ought to be taking advantage of that. I also believe that we should dismantle the whole national security state type of governmental system that was brought into existence in, in after World War II. This is a totalitarian form of governmental system. This is why they're engaged in dark side communist-like activities like assassinations and torture and coups and secret prison camps. What we need to do is restore a limited government republic with a relatively small military force that's able to galvanize the public in case there ever was an invasion, rally people, volunteers to join the government and protect the country. Uh, But that's our heritage, a limited government republic rather than this totalitarian type system with the CIA, the NSA, the Pentagon, the vast military industrial complex. All right, uh, lift all sanctions and embargoes against every, every country, including North Korea, Russia, Iran, 
These are targeting innocent civilians. I mean, that's what we condemn terrorists for doing. Um, it, it, a great nation doesn't do these kind of things, uh, including the embargo against Cuba that's been there some 60 years or so. Uh, legalize all drugs, not just marijuana. People have a right to ingest whatever they want to ingest, no matter how harmful or destructive. That includes heroin, opioids, cocaine. I'm not suggesting that these are necessarily good things. I'm just saying that drug usage and drug abuse and drug addiction belong in the private sector, rehab centers, not in the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. uh, and all, all mandatory charity programs. I, I, there is no way to reconcile a, a mandatory charity program with freedom. So you get rid of Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. It's the only solution to the health care crisis. There's no other solution. Anybody who thinks they're going to come up with a health care reform plan that's going to succeed and keep Medicare and Medicaid intact is living in la-la land. These are socialist programs. Socialism is inherently defective. And I believe in freedom. I, that's what we need to recapture, Brian, in this country, a belief in ourselves, a belief in others, a, a faith in freedom. For me, a faith in God, where you trust young people to step up to the plate and take care of their parents and grandparents or church groups to help people in need, family members. This is what genuine charity is all about. And I say you can trust people with freedom. So that kind of gives you an idea of how different a libertarian would take this country as compared to Democrats and Republicans. And that's a message that's not being promoted really out there by anybody. And, and I say that looking at you know the two major parties, who's the last person that really even kind of echoed something close to that? Maybe maybe Rand Paul in 2016, but really, I mean, Ron Paul was the last real voice on a national stage who was you know standing out there making this argument that you're making now. The question I'd want to ask you, and I, I say this as someone who has watched you know a lot, and a lot of people in my generation start to get more and more enamored with the, con the the ideas of democratic socialism, and you know I'm looking at someone like a Bernie Sanders, and he's rising more and more in the polls, and I, I ask the question, and I'm hoping maybe that you have a better outlook than I do, but is the the world still open and accepting to a message of liberty like they were maybe back in 2012 and in 2008? Yeah, that's a fascinating question. You know, it doesn't surprise me that, that Bernie Sanders is, is, is popular based on what we're talking this evening, that if you truly believe that this is a free society and it's a free enterprise system and you've been indoctrinated with that and you have no doubts about it, it's very easy to conclude that freedom sucks because the, the system is so dysfunctional. You've got young people committing suicide in ever-increasing uh, rates. I mean, what's that all about? Well, you know, you can understand, I wouldn't agree with it, but you can understand an older person checking out a life. He's been battered by life. His dreams have been dashed. He's got financial problems. He's got divorce or whatever. But a kid, somebody at 18, 19, 20 years old, why are they checking out a life? You've got massive drug addiction in society. Um, alcoholism. You've got these irrational killings that are taking place on a regular basis. So if you're, if, you're, if you're convinced that this is freedom and this is the best there is, it's like, okay, well, let's try something different. Let's try socialism. Okay, but now if you achieve, achieve the breakthrough that you and I have achieved and other libertarians, we know that what's the root cause of a lot of this dysfunctionality is the fact that we do have a socialist system. That's what mm -hmm. mandatory charity is all about. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, these came from German socialists in the late 1800s, these ideas, farm subsidies, education grants, public schooling. You have a massive welfare state. It's a massive socialist system. So for us, 
We are striving for freedom by opposing what Bernie Sanders stands for, because socialism is it, it has brought nothing but death, suffering, misery. When you mentioned Ron Paul, I mean, he's one of my heroes. In fact, I'm very honored that he's written the introduction to my newest book called My Passion for Liberty, which details my journey into libertarianism. And, you know, when he talked about ending the Fed, the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve is another classic example of a socialist system. They're causing monetary chaos. It's not surprising. That's what socialism does. You look at Venezuela, you look at North Korea, Cuba, and here in the United States with monetary chaos, booms and busts, and the inflationary destruction of what used to be the finest uh, monetary system in the world. So that's why I think people are moving towards socialism, because they think that this is freedom and they're looking for something better. Yeah. No. It, well, and then the question is, what can we do to to help you know counter be a count, counterbalance to that, right? So I think the Libertarian Party, especially back in 2016, had a great opportunity, and that was to be a sane, rational, alternative voice to what was you know the the monstrosity in Hillary Clinton versus the the big question mark in Donald Trump. And Trump, it seems, kind of took some of that energy and that you know the enthusiasm that that was kind of helping propel Iran Paul back in 2012 and really helped him, you know, get to the White House. So then I say, you know, looking at what we have now, Trump's kind of, he's a pseudo establishment and we're not really having a voice, you know, that's, that's standing up to the Bernie Sanders of the world. So I guess I'd ask you, Jacob, what would you do from a, a you know, a purely marketing standpoint or just outreach standpoint to help, I guess, number one, spread the message of liberty far and wide, but actually number two, hopefully change some people's hearts and minds when it comes to these you know, very tough issues? Uh, I, for me, the most important thing any libertarian presidential candidate can do, and actually any libertarian candidate, is adhere strictly to libertarian principles. I mean, they, these are our assets. Democrats and Republicans have all the money. They've got the political power and the power to keep us off the ballot in several states because they're scared to death of the competition. Uh, but we have something they don't have. We have principles, we have ideals, and we have sound ideas on liberty. And, and I'll take those over any money and power anywhere in the world. That, that they, these are our weapons. And when I served on the platform committee back in the 90s, I served three terms on the National LP Platform Committee. And there were people that were trying to water down the platform and trying to hide some of our positions and saying, oh, well, this, these positions are costing us votes. And I took the position, absolutely not. These are not liabilities. These are our assets. You, you just have to know how to, how to promote these assets. You got to make the case for freedom to the American people. We are a radical philosophy, and we need to embrace that radicalism. It, it, it is our asset. It is not a liability. So when we talk in terms of like, when I talk in terms of, say, abolish Social Security, you know, even some libertarians go crazy over that. Oh, my gosh, seniors aren't going to vote for us. And well, seniors aren't going to vote for us anyway. They're not going to vote for any libertarian when they know unless it's a, a senior libertarian. But they know that we stand against these socialist programs. They're always going to stick with Democrats and Republicans who are guaranteeing them that their dole is going to continue. Well, what we have to do is go after the young people of this country, the ones who are getting fleeced not only to fund Social Security uh, recipients, but all the bureaucrats that, find, that, that administer this program, they're getting like fifty dollars to $100,000 salaries, every single Social Security bureaucrat, or at least many of them. So you let young people keep everything they earn, no more withholding, no more FICA taxes, 
and then they take the responsibility of taking care of their parents. And I think if if we adhere to those principles, we can we can garner support from the people who are being insulted, the younger people of this country. Because what what Social Security and Medicare and all these programs are essentially saying is you are a bad people. You young people are bad. You can't be trusted with freedom. We have to force you to take care of your parents. That's one gigantic insult. And if we can make that case, then I think we've got a chance to do some real open field running. Brian, there's a lot of people that are that are getting this deep sense of unease in this country. They're seeing all the dysfunctionality, the irrational killings and so forth. I mean, this isn't going on in Switzerland where everybody's armed. So it has nothing to do with, with people's right to keep and bear arms. There's something else going on here. And I think that we know what's going on here. They, they've destroyed our freedom in this country. And if, if we can get enough people to think at that higher level, I mean, here's my aim. And if I were accorded the honor of this nomination, that every single American would be discussing and debating two questions. What does it really mean to be free? And two, what is the legitimate role of government in a free society? Because I figure if you can get people thinking at that higher level, then we can achieve our goal. And it's not just my goal of freedom. It's the Libertarian Party goal. That's been the goal of this party since it was conceived in David Nolan's living room in 1971. We're trying to be free. And the question is, how do you achieve freedom? I think by making the principal case for freedom, not only in a moral sense, but in a practical sense. Libertarianism is really the solution to all these crises, healthcare, uh, immigration, foreign policy. So we, we have a morally sound philosophy. We have a practical philosophy that works. What better than that? I mean, it, it makes so much sense. And obviously, as libertarians, we're like, come on, folks, it does make so much sense. But it seems that for whatever reason, we have a very difficult time with the messaging and the branding. And I, I think a lot of it comes because, you know, number one, the mainstream media is going to be looking for any opportunity to, to label us as, you know, you know, kooks. I mean, look what they did to, to Gary Johnson with the, uh, the whole Aleppo thing. Um, but number two, I just, I feel a lot of people in LP national or just, you know, in general, the libertarian movement don't really seem to have an aura of, of credibility, shall we say, or just, you know, taking themselves seriously. And yeah, you know, I one of my longest, you know, mantras I've had in my show has been that nobody's gonna take the LP seriously until it takes itself seriously. So I guess, you know, Jacob, what would be your kind of approach as a candidate? Are you gonna be going more towards, you know, trying to, to win people over by just sticking to libertarian messaging? Or, you know, w- would you be open to, you know, doing a little bit more, I don't know, Gary Johnson outlandish outreach just to like try to get the headlines? Kind of what's your approach to uh to getting some attention on a national interest? It's got to be a serious campaign. And, 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 you know, I don't have any delusions of grandeur, but you have to fight like you're going to win, like, like you want to win. And, and you fight with your principles. The, the principles themselves are radical. You don't need to do anything radical to get attention. All you got to do is stand for your principles. When you start talking about abolishing the CIA and the NSA and the, the Pentagon, that's enough to get you attention right there. And, and when you talk about abolishing, Uh, Social Security or Medicare or legalizing all drugs. I mean, that gets a colonist's attention. They may ridicule you or they may attack you, but that doesn't bother me at all because I feel very solid in this philosophy. I'm I'm able to take anybody on on any libertarian principle because I I am so 100 percent convinced that we're right and that the this philosophy of what might be called statism, socialism, interventionism, imperialism is what has destroyed freedom in this country. And so mm-hmm. if, if we if we just stand with our principles and embrace our radicalism, 
I think that's our biggest asset. That that brings us attention. It may be negative attention, but that's okay. As long as you can make the case for these libertarian principles, I don't think people can get very far with their attacks on you. That they, they may try, but I mean, you know, what take take for example the drug war. They say, oh well, we can't legalize the the real hard drugs because uh, oh it would just be terrible. Oh, so we we continue this this war that has brought death suffering, destruction, corruption, and which also is the most racially bigoted government program in history, put them on the defensive for what do they do to this country. Don't let them put us on the defensive. It's they who have really introduced a radical socialist interventionist and imperialist philosophy. If you go back to 1890 America, for example, we libertarians would be considered very normal because we, we <laughs> share the, much of the philosophy at that time. Not all of it. We don't agree with the crony capitalism and a lot of the Jim Crow stuff that was coming into, into play. But if you put us in that place, it's the, the Democrats and Republicans today with their socialism, interventionism and empire who would be considered the uh, way outside the mainstream. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say it's probably the first time that libertarians have ever, ever been classified as being normal. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> that, 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 that speaks a lot. But um, actually, that kind of leads to my next question. And that kind of goes to. Looking at your your field of candidates right now, running for the nomination to be the Libertarian presidential nominee, and I've had you know, on my show folks like Adam Kokash, um, you know Kim Rupp before she dropped out. I've had, I'm having J- uh, Joe Jorgensen on, and obviously yourself. So, kind of, what's your your vision to be the candidate? Why, Jacob, should you be the the candidate the delegates delegates look to 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 lead the Libertarian banner forward the 2020 election? Well, first of all, I mean, everybody in this race on the libertarian side that, that I know of, and I think I know m- most, if not all of them by now, I mean, it's no question that any one of us would be better than Donald Trump and uh, whoever the Democrats put up. I mean, the, these people, uh, Trump and the Democrats, are leading this country in a very, very bad direction. You've got the out-of-control spending, the debt, big spender Trump's adding another trillion dollars this year and every year after that. I mean, would Hil- Hillary have done that? And, and then he's provoking a war with Iran. That's, Hillary certainly would have done that. He hasn't brought any of the troops home from the, what he called the forever wars. Uh, so any of the candidates here, we're all on the same page, really. We're libertarians. Um, so there's not really any point in, in, in comparison. But what, what I bring to the table is essentially a campaign of principle for the party of principle. I mean, we are the party of principle. And I, I think this is this is our greatest asset that that we that that's our niche in this political arena, and and we need to embrace that. This is not a label that other people have put on us. This is a label that we have put on ourselves. Well, if you're going to put a label on on yourself like that, I think you have to live up to that label, and that means adhering to libertarian principles. But again, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. I mean, if you take like you know immigration, uh, you know. One candidate might what one libertarian candidate might say, well, my grandfather came from whatever, you know, Poland or Czechoslovakia, Russia, Europe, and I love immigrants and I want the government to let in more immigrants. Well, that's not my position. My position is dismantle the entire socialist uh, immigration control system because that's what it is. Again, it's based on central planning. That's why you have this this crisis, perpetual crisis in immigration. Uh, You have a police state to enforce this socialist system, highway checkpoints, warrantless trespasses on ranches and farms. And so if you're going to call for reform of immigration by letting in more immigrants, 
you necessarily keep intact this gigantic socialist system, this gigantic police state. I say dismantle the whole thing because freedom and free markets are not only morally right, not only are open is open immigration consistent with religious principles, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, but it's the only practical solution. It's the only thing that works. And this is what I keep underlining to people. Nothing else is going to resolve the immigration crisis or the healthcare crisis or the out-of-control spending crisis except libertarian principles. And so that's what I'm bringing to the table here is to say, look, if, if you want a, a libertarian candidate that's going to settle for reform, I'm not your guy. But if you want a candidate that's going to get in there and really try to do some open field running in, in the advancement of liberty, getting people to think at a higher level and trying to, to garner people into our movement, into our party so that we reach this critical mass that really does bring us a free society, then I'm your guy. Because I believe that freedom really is possible. I, I know there's libertarians that have thrown in the towel and say, Jacob, it's too big, and there's no way, they're too powerful. I don't buy it for a second. I think we might be very well, very close to reaching a critical mass in society that all of a sudden brings that, sh that monumental shift toward liberty that sometimes happens in history. Well, let's hope it's 2020. So I guess I'll, I'll wrap up here. What kind of, Jacob, would you say is going to be a, a sign of a, a libertarian win, whether it's electorally bringing people into the party? Kind of what would you see as like a, a overall thumbs up? We did a good job here in 2020. I think bringing people around to the libertarian perspective would be a huge victory. And now, you know, I don't know how many, but that's real. We have to keep in mind what our goal is. If our goal is just to reform the serfdom society and under which we live, then, you know, people can be satisfied if we if we reach uh, enough enough people to, that advocate reform. But it, but it's sort of like living in 1850 America, Brian, that there might have been libertarians in 1850 America. that would say, you know, slavery is here to stay. It's in the Constitution. There's no way to change it. Let's let's just reform it. Let, let's get laws passed providing for fewer lashings and shorter work hours, better health care. Well, all that would have been fine to improve a lot of the slaves, but it wouldn't be freedom. And it's the same here. We need to go for freedom, not for some warmed over reformed version of serfdom. And that's what we have. We have a serfdom society. So how do you measure our success? Well, I measure it by achieving freedom. And, and if, if all that we do as libertarians is achieve a reform to serfdom, we haven't achieved our goal. And, and so I, I don't know exactly how we measure it, but I know this. In order to achieve freedom, you have to get a critical mass of people that want freedom. And we don't know what that number is or what that percentage is, but oftentimes it's much less than a uh, majority. I mean, that's how we got things like freedom of speech and freedom of the press and due process of law. A, a critical mass of people that then everybody else just goes with the flow. What is that critical mass? We don't know. But I think we might be getting close to it. I mean, look what Ron Paul did. All these people, millions of people popped up and supported Ron Paul out of nowhere, what seeming nowhere. I think those people are still out there. And so that would be my measure of success, this gigantic movement toward liberty, uh, even if the Democrats and Republicans are doing it in response to public opinion. Because that's my goal. I want to be free and I want to live in a free society. And I think it's possible. But the only way to achieve that is by getting people to think about freedom, not reform, getting them to think about freedom so that they join us libertarians and reach that critical mass. 
Oh, man. And you know what? If you need to get some uh, publicity, I say you just go over to Iowa and you say that you won the Iowa caucus just overall. And now I'll get your name in the headlines there. Jacob Hornberger. Thank you so much. Where can folks go ahead and uh, and find you? So if you want to stay up to date with the campaign, they can, uh, you know, number one, find you on social media, but then, uh, you know, stay up to all, date with all the news appearances and, and media appearances and so forth. Yeah, the best place is, is my website, JacobForLiberty.com. I'm, I'm running a real active campaign, Brian, in North Carolina. The LP has earned the right to be in the primary there. So I saw this as a great opportunity to reach non-libertarians. So I'm going in there. I'm making some some headway with with the African-American community on the racial bigotry of the drug war. In fact, I, I'm putting together a, a forum uh, on February 13th with uh, some African-American activists there, a reporter for uh, a newspaper there called The Carolinian. And we're, we're all putting this thing together to try to get a a black man released from jail named Michael Holmes, who got a 200-year jail sentence 25 years ago for a nonviolent drug offense. Uh, and so our forum's called Free Michael Holmes. So people can come to my website, jacobforliberty.com, check out my blog section. They can see everything I'm doing to advance liberty, going to these state conventions on weekends, but then also waging at the same time this active campaign outside the, the party, trying to get people to come and vote for me and in our primary and boycott Democrats and Republicans. And then I've got my upcoming appearances where I'm traveling just about every weekend here. And then I've got, um, you know, shows like yourself. I post them under the uh, media section of my website. So yeah, jacobforliberty.com. And if they want to get a sense of my background and, and how I was led to libertarianism and, and why it means so much to me, they can buy my book called uh, My Passion for Liberty um, that's, that's on Amazon. And then again, as I mentioned earlier, People can go to the Future of Freedom Foundation website, which, again, is not endorsing me, but they can get a sense of the work I've done for liberty in a, in a principled and compromising way for 30 years. Love it. And what we'll do to, uh, to help spread uh, things far and wide for you is we'll, number one, include your, your link to the book there, My Passion for Liberty. Uh, also include your link uh, to jacobforliberty.com. But, folks, I'll also include all social media appearances. Uh, so, of course, you can find me on Twitter, at Jacob for Liberty, and on Facebook, Hornberger 2020. Jacob Hornberger, thank you so much for joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show. It was an absolute blast. And best of luck to you in the, uh, the nomination process. And we're looking forward to, uh, to talking about your book there, My Passion for Liberty in the Future. I would love it. And thank you, Brian. It's an honor and a pleasure. Nice interview. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Trust the experts. We're all in this together. If it saves one life. Raise your hand if you heard any of those tiresome phrases over the past year and a half. I know my hand is currently raised. Millions of people across dozens of industries were labeled unessential. 
and forced to lock down with livelihoods and futures crushed in an instant. And as government has continued to expand its power and leverage fear to turn neighbor against neighbor, a group of filmmakers have taken a stand and are determined to help set the record straight on the importance of following the actual science of the pandemic. Follow the science on lockdowns and liberty from the Sound Mind Creative Group is a brand new docu-series highlighting the stories of those negatively impacted over the past year and a half by ineffective government policies enacted in the name of following the science. With noted experts like Nick Hudson from Panda, the Pandemic Data and Analytics Organization, healthcare policy advisors like Scott Atlas, and telling the stories of business owners, families, and just your average everyday person harmed by these government mandates. Follow the science on lockdowns and liberty is giving us a chance to make sure the true stories of the pandemic are told. So please help us at The Brian Nichols Show in supporting the Sound Mind Creative Group. With noted figures in the liberty movement like Dr. Tom Woods donating thousands of their own dollars to this project, you know just how important this project is. So head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science to donate and catch their brand new trailer to the docuseries one more time. That's briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science.